Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. is going on everybody welcome to monday's edition of murph's boston sports talk i'm still trying to get settled in here to my studio my desk in my office okay i think we're good all right what is going on everybody how are you doing today hopefully you had a fantastic weekend and happy father's day to all the fathers out there that are listening thank you so much for all the great things that you do for your son and or daughter Hopefully you had a fantastic day with your family doing whatever it is that makes you happy and makes you appreciative to be a father in the first place. So once again, happy Father's Day to all the wonderful fathers out there that were celebrating yesterday. With that being said, how is everybody doing? Like I said, hopefully you had a great weekend. I know I did. And speaking of the weekend, I was able to spend it at a live card show yes i repeat all hands on deck a live in person card show and i did vlog that and that vlog will be out on my youtube channel murph's boston sports talk i will have it out in a couple of days or so i'm thinking thursday maybe i'm not exactly sure i do need to finish up a couple of final touches but anyways i do want to talk about the card show before we get into our big topics for the day but in case anybody did miss it the Dedham, excuse me, the Dedham Card Show was Sunday, June 20th, yes, on Father's Day, from 8.45 a.m. to 2.45 p.m. with 85, over 85, I think there was more like 100 tables there, and it was absolutely fantastic. It was off of Route 1, the Holiday Inn, fantastic card show. It was swamped with people. I've been to card shows before. I've been to sports shows before, bigger and smaller. I don't think I've seen that many people in a function hall at a hotel or at any place, expo center, wherever, for sports cards, memorabilia, whatever it may be. It was absolutely fan. It was incredible. It's been over two years since I've been to my last one, obviously due to COVID and, and such, but whoo-wee. in addition to just the card show, there were autographed guests of Derek Sanderson and Terry O'Reilly, both doing in-person signings at the card show fantastic to see them i didn't get my autograph from them nor were i was I able to bump into them because i was already gone from the show i had other things to do that day unfortunately but i was there from you know the wee early morning just to before Derek sanderson actually showed up for his time slot between 11 30 and 12 30 and for those that missed it shame on you shame on you for missing the card show there will be another one in july i believe it's july 10th I'm not exactly sure on the times. I think the times 
might be the same. Let's see if I can pull it up really quickly. Come on. Uh, doesn't I don't see anything about the time, but I'm going to assume that it's the same. But don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to it. But yes, yeah, so July 10th, there is going to be another Dedham card show at the Holiday Inn right off of Route 1 there. For those that may be confused, it was formerly the Mansfield Card Show. However, the Mansfield Holiday Inn, I believe it was a Holiday Inn, didn't want them anymore for whatever reason. I don't know. I think it's a cash cow, but I digress. In addition, July 10th, well, I guess that weekend, the 9th, 10th, and 11th is also the Cranston slash Coventry Card Show, formerly in Cranston. However, it's going to be in Coventry, Rhode Island this year because the city of Cranston and the card show weren't able to come to a, an agreement or of sorts with COVID restrictions and policies and, and such. So this year it's going to be down in Coventry, Rhode Island on July 9th, 10th, and 11th. I will be there. Hopefully I will see you there as well. Give me a shout out. Hit me up. Say hey. I'd love to see uh, everyone there. Also, the Dedham Card Show, obviously it's in Dedham, Massachusetts. It's going to be on July 10th, so it's going to be a little tricky to kind of make the two of them work between the Coventry and the Dedham one, but you know what? We will make it work. Don't you worry. We will make it work. But that's going to be do, uh, that's going to be it for my little card show spiel. It's only been a couple of minutes, but there's really not too much to talk about, except it was a fantastic, it was a fun time, and I'm really, really excited that card show season is back, and I hope... I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope it never goes away. So, we've probably heard the news in baseball. It happened uh, earlier today, actually, I believe, that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to call up Major League Baseball's top prospect, Wander Franco, ahead of their upcoming series against the Boston Red Sox. Now, for those that may not know Wander Franco, he is a shortstop, and he's been um, MLB's consensus number one prospect this year and last year as well. He is 20 years old and this dude is a stud hitting well over 300 on base. Well, just shy of like 400 and his on base and slugging is like tad over 600 or whatever. Maybe I'll go to, I'll go into it in a minute, but the reason why I want to talk, why I bring this up is because when are the Red Sox going to call up their top prospect, Jaron Duran? Now, yes, Wander Franco is Major League Baseball's top prospect, so obviously that makes him the Rays' top prospect. But why? when are we going to see the Red Sox call up Jaron Duran? So that's kind of what I want to talk about here. And just to kind of give you some backstory about why Wander Franco may be getting the call up now is because I did talk about it. I believe it was the end of April or early May that the Tampa Bay Rays actually traded their shortstop, Willie Adamas, to the Milwaukee Brewers, got some prospects back, some pitching in return, obviously kind of opening up the door because they knew that you know he wasn't the guy and they knew that Wander Franco was going to be the guy. So they just had to kind of ride out a month or so to let him fully develop a little bit more. And he is now officially ready. And I'm very excited to see what this kid can do. He is going to be a stud. I know he's a stud in uh, MLB The Show. But obviously, this is not a video game. This is actual real life. So I just wanted to bring that up and start talking about that, thinking about that. Is Wanda Franco is 20 years old, you know, some change, and he's going to be making his debut against the Red Sox this week against the Red Sox. And it's just kind of funny how 
they call up their best prospect against the Red Sox for a major series. Absolute major series. Red Sox are 43-29 and 29 with a half a game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. But I don't want to go into the divisions just yet because I really do want to talk about Jaron Duran. And a lot of people, a lot of people are talking about Jaron Duran. And I will not exclude myself from that club. So from an article on SB Nation written by Matt Collins from earlier today, this morning actually, he wrote, uh, it's time to call up Jaron Duran. Straight to the point. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you anymore there. Straight to the point. All right. So uh, he talks a little bit of backstory about um, the Red Sox recent series and all that. But the meat of this article. Here we go. Duran has, as likely everyone reading this knows, seen his stock rise exponentially since the alternate site last summer where he started showing off newfound power. He's only continued to ride that helium, even being named a top 30 prospect in all of baseball by Baseball America recently. It's not just good reports from alternate site action and things like that either, as he's putting up numbers in Worcester against AAA pitching as well. Through 145 plate appearances, he is hitting 286 with a 379 on base and a 627 slugging percentage with 12 home runs, a 50 homer pace for 600 plate appearances this is also does not excuse me this also does not include his strong run with team usa in olympic qualifying norris performance this winter in the caribbean series now it should go without saying that numbers at triple a are not automatically going to transfer to the majors we've seen uh, we see players all the time put up big numbers in the minors that are not seen at major league players never mind potential stars, and there are some valid reasons to be concerned about Duran coming to the majors right now. The first thing you often hear is his defense as his uh, outfield instincts are still developing after spending his college days at second base. That's nothing. Uh, that's not nothing, but every indication is that he's improving and is fine, albeit not great out there. Uh, furthermore, in the article, they talk about how he does have high strikeout rate, only 24%. However, a uh, few of the Red Sox players, have, five Red Sox players also have 24% or higher. And Bobby Dahlback, the former number one prospect for the Red Sox, are, is also in that, you know, that bundle of having higher than 24%. Now, oftentimes people will say that Jaron Durant is not the best, uh, the best prospect in the Red Sox system. And a lot of people will point to Tristan Cassis. That's totally fine. The third baseman down in... I believe he's in double-A still, Tristan Cassis. I'm not exactly sure on that, but he's in double-A, maybe triple-A later this year. It's just we don't need him up here right now. You have Bobby Dahlbeck at first base. You have Rafael Devers at third base. There's no need for Tristan Cassis, and obviously things are going to happen and change in order for him to eventually come up here, probably either the end of this year or next year, kind of like how Bobby Dahlbeck did a little bit at the end of the year before and then come up for that current year. But Jaron Duran is a player that the Red Sox need right now. Absolutely need Jaron Duran right now. And I'm going to tell you why. He is currently hitting 286 through 145 plate appearances. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You'll take that, right? 300 is usually the bar. However, in today's game, I'd say 280 is probably the bar, to be honest. I mean, you ask anybody, they'll always say 300 is a good hitter. Some would even say great hitter. 
that's three out of ten times that you're succeeding. However, with the game now more home run orientated, the average kind of goes down, and you look at players who are hitting 280 and be like, there you go. So 286, I will take that any day of the week. 12 home runs and is on pace for 50 home runs. Obviously, I don't think this pace is nowhere near sustainable. But still, it gives you a good indication that that newfound power is there. And will it translate here to Fenway? We'll have to wait and see. But the average is the big takeaway that I want to talk about. Because out of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 players that have played the outfield for the Red Sox this year, they are hitting a combined 232 batting average. Alex Verdugo, 289. Franchi Cordero, 179. Hunter Renfro, 257. Michael Chavis, 273. J.D. Martinez, 309. Kike Hernandez, 233. Danny Santana, 125. And Marwin Gonzalez, 195. Now, Alex Verdugo is currently the only lefty, pure lefty, in the Red Sox lineup, I want to say. I think he's the only pure lefty in the Red Sox lineup. So there's a lack of left-handed hitters. Yes, you have Danny Santana and Marwin Gonzalez who are switch hitters. You also have uh, Kike, Danny, and Marwin Gonzalez being able to play multiple positions, which is fine, which is cool. But at some point, you're going to need to make adjustments for the better. Before we got rid of Brock Holt, or I guess didn't re-sign him, uh, a couple years ago, people were saying that Brock Holt was fantastic due to his flexibility, his utility, being able to play just about every single position. He was a lefty, and he just had a great attitude. But let's put the attitude thing aside. When you have Kike Hernandez, now Danny Santana, and Marwin Gonzalez, all essentially being your Brock Holt, I would probably say... Danny Santana and Marwin Gonzalez are more your quote-unquote Brock Holt because they can also play first base. Kike Hernandez doesn't play first base, nor actually have I ever seen him play first base, I should say. I just don't think you need three of those kind of guys. You don't. And yes, it does help that Marwin Gonzalez and Danny Santana are switch hitters. Sure, I'll give you that. I just don't think you need three of those guys. I mean, you don't need three of the same thing, right? So... What do you do? Do you trade one of them away? Which one do you trade? They all kind of suck. No one wanted Danny Santana a few months ago. That's why the Red Sox claimed him off waivers, I think, from Texas. Marwin Gonzalez does have a little bit of value, but he's like 31 years old or something like that. I think he just signed a two-year deal with the Red Sox, so are you going to be able to trade that? I don't know. I don't know. You have Franchi Cordero down at Worcester as well, who's lighting it up down there, but we've already seen a good sample size from him this year. Now, sure, you could bring him back up, hope hope that he can actually perform and excel like he is supposed to, like he has been down in Worcester, but that's not a certain, and neither is Jaron Duran. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jaron Duran's success down in Worcester is a certain here in the Major League level. But if you're not going to bring up Jaron Duran, might as well bring up Franchi Cordero again because at least he has Major League Baseball experience. You kind of know what he has. I'm sure he went down to Worcester to work on some things that he was doing poorly. Hopefully, he's adjusted that and it's performing. You know, he made the adjustment to perform well down in Worcester. So it wouldn't hurt to bring him back up. However, the Red Sox are still sitting on their hands because, well, they're still sitting on their hands still after probably a month now, I would say, that they should have brought him up at least a couple weeks. I understand that he may not be the best outfielder. 
I understand that. And he's still working on it. He's a center fielder, and you don't really need a center fielder right now. You have Verdugo, you have Danny Santana, you have Kike Hernandez, who are all able to play center field. And you're probably going to have Verdugo be your center fielder long term because you have Hunter Renfro right now in right field. And I don't see Santana or Kike Hernandez being long term options, especially when you do have Jaron Duran coming up in the wings. Could you have Duran in center field and then Verdugo in left or right? Sure. But if we look back to 2007, when uh, former top prospect in Jacoby Ellsbury was first brought up onto the scene, he was a speedy, pure center fielder. However, he played some left field that year. He even played some right field that year. And then the following year in 2008 and 2009, he officially made this change to a full-time center fielder. And was an absolute star. He was a star. He stole like 70 bases or whatever. Or maybe not 70, like 60 bases one year. That's pretty good. I mean, is can that be replicated? I can't see why not. I can't see why not. Especially... When you have Jaron Duran, who's still working on some things, you throw him in left field where left field is a completely different animal than any other like aspect of a outfield because it's not a normal fence. It's shallow, tall, tall wall. So it's going to be a little bit challenging. However, it does has its, you know, advantages, you know, it's shallow. You don't have to throw the ball as far. You don't have to run as far. You just have to brace for some weird, quirky bounces. And right now, I think the Red Sox need another outfielder. Right field itself can be tricky. It's it's huge. It's short in the you know by the pesky pole, and then it jets out to center field where the triangle is. That can be a little daunting. That can be a little daunting. So throw him in left field, and then maybe have him become the center fielder later on in the season or even next year. Because Verdugo, I'm not too worried about Alex Verdugo. He can play left, center, or right field, and he's been doing very well at all three of them. I mean, a few years ago, Andrew Benintendi, who was a center fielder, came up and played left field. Sometimes play center field, but you had Jackie Bradley Jr., who was, you know, a you know superior defender to Andrew Benintendi, who in his own right was a great defender. It's just you had two great center fielders; one had to play left, so Andrew Benintendi did. I think that the Red Sox should bring him up, Jaron Duran, sooner than later because you want to see what you have in him now. So if you do have to bring him down because of poor performance or you just want him to work on some things down there for a little bit and then you bring him back up later on in the season, you can do that sooner than later. Like I said, the only pure lefty in your lineup is Alex Verdugo. I mean, that's kind of a problem, and that's kind of why I've been sitting here and preaching that the Red Sox need to go out and get a left-handed veteran outfielder to kind of help fill that void in their team. They need another left-handed bat, another pure left-handed bat. Because honestly, honestly, a lot of switch hitters, I'd say 8 out of 10 switch hitters were formerly right-handed hitters who taught themselves how to switch left-handed and then eventually became switch hitters. I mean, from experience, that was me. I was a pure righty one time and then just one day wanted to hit a little bit of lefty in the backyard baseball. And then I was just hitting some lefty and I was like, ooh, this could be this could be dangerous. This could be an advantage. And yes, it can be an advantage. However, when it's your technical weak side, it can be a disadvantage. I mean, Shane Victorino was a switch hitter, but he went to his right-handed side, his dominant side, during the 2013 uh, playoff run or the end of the season 
You've seen that before. I just, it's hard to trust switch hitters sometimes. It really is. Like, look at Sandy Leon. He's hitting sub 200, and he's a switch hitter. Just go to the right side and just try to get your average up, figure out your hitting over there, and then revisit the switch hitting. Like I said, if they bring up Franchi Cordero for a little bit, see what they have there, and it doesn't work out, they're bringing him down and they're wasting an option. But you get to see what he was able to fix and improve, and maybe he stays up here on the big league club. But honestly, I think it's time that Jaron Duran comes up. And I'm not going to sit here and say that they need to bring him up. Ooh, my pen. I'm not going to sit here and say that they need to bring up Jaron Duran because the Rays are calling up Wander Franco. If you've been listening, you know I've been saying this for some time now. I've been saying this for like at least two weeks that they need to bring him up. It would be a great thing for all of the Red Sox to bring up a young, exciting prospect. Last year when they brought up Bobby Dahl back, there was some excitement. Though the season was in the shitter and we sucked and we weren't doing anything, so it was kind of hard to maintain that excitement, there was still some excitement and some, you know, some hope because you were seeing your top guy. And last year, Bobby Dahlbeck performed very well. He hit like five home runs in five games, like one in each game, whatever. And obviously with the Red Sox performing very well this year, bringing up Jaron Duran will give you a little bit more excitement. I think you have nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose. Could the Red Sox be waiting for a roster transaction in order to bring him up? Maybe. Sure. I just bring you know I don't I mean I don't know how many options Danny Santana has, but you could always bring him down. I mean you brought him up from Worcester, or just let him go, <laughs> or you can just just release him because he's a uh, utility switch hitter who's a jack of all trades but a master of none. Kind of like Marwin Gonzalez. So you basically have a carbon copy of Marwin Gonzalez on your roster. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think? Reach out to me on social media at Murphs underscore Boston ST. Or if you're watching on YouTube, comment down below your thoughts and your opinions about this whole Jaron Duran hype. Is it too soon? Is it too late? Or is it the right time to bring him up? You guys know my thoughts and opinions. I want to hear yours. Reach out to me. Let's have a conversation, a discussion, a debate, and or an argument, if that may be. I did kind of allude to this earlier, but the Red Sox do currently have a half a game lead on the Tampa Bay Rays as the Red Sox go down to Tropicana Field for three huge games against the Rays. And then this weekend, well, this coming weekend, they have three huge games against the Yankees at home. So these next six games, I've been kind of prefacing for a little bit now. These next six games are going to be absolutely massive. I mentioned Friday's episode that the Red Sox need to win. It would be nice to go six out of nine. Well, you lost, I'm sorry. Yeah, you lost two out of three to the Royals this weekend. So you got to go five and one here. I I would be pleasant I would be surprised and I would be very satisfied if they can go five and one in these next six games, sweep the Rays, push them back to three and a half games, win two out of three against the Yankees, push them back another game, give yourself maybe a little bit of breathing room moving forward into next week. So just to keep you updated, Red Sox half a game lead over the Rays who are 43 and 30 Yankees are only four and a half games out of first place who are starting to cook up a little bit. They're six and four in their last 10 Blue Jays still seven games out and the Orioles 
maintaining 19 and a half games back, losing, uh, I'm sorry, in the last 10, 1 and 9. Any other teams around Major League Baseball that are surprising? Um, I mean, the Minnesota Twins are surprisingly bad this year. I thought they were going to be very good this year. Obviously, I knew the White Sox were going to be up there. I didn't expect the White Sox to be this good, especially without Eloy Jimenez. And I didn't expect the Tigers, I mean, I'm sorry, not the Tigers, the Twins to be as bad as they have been on the cusp of having the worst record in the American League Central. Angels, seven and a half games out of first place in the West, 36 and 36 for them. I've been telling you this. They're not good. Yes, they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani was, you know, up and down before, obviously, this year in terms of injury and health. But the Angels aren't going to, I mean, Mike Trout is just going to be another great baseball player unless he's able to win something. Puts up the numbers, the average, the home runs, the RBIs, you know, nice defense. But when you look back at it, some of those guys don't get remembered. And he's starting to become. You know, starting to take the turn of one of the greatest players to ever to not win. But Shohei Otani is honestly carrying that hype. And he is starting to turn to the face of baseball very, very quickly. Switching over to the National League really quickly. The Braves, 33-36, and 36, five games back in first place. That's a little surprising to me. Other than that, I don't really see. I mean, the National League West is super good. Holy smokes, is that West so good. The Giants are a game and a half up on the Dodgers and five up on the Padres. And the Padres have a 42-32 and 32 record. Giants are sitting at the top of the league, I believe, all of baseball. Yeah, all of baseball with 46-26 and 26 record, going 7-3 and three in their last 10. And now my dog is barking. Please don't bark. Okay. So that is going to be my baseball minute, my baseball segment here today, talking about Wander Franco, Jaron Duran, and of course, just a quick trip around baseball, which is obviously a fun thing to do. I also want to talk about a little bit of Patriot news. No, it's not about Mac Jones or Cam Newton, but I'll happily talk your ear off if you want, right? <laughs> so the Patriots are expected to sign wide receiver Devin Ross to their 90-man roster for training camp. Uh, Mike Reese reported this uh, was it earlier today, I think it was. Uh, 2.05 this came out. Uh, Ross went undrafted in 2018 and signed with the Tennessee Titans. He spent time on their practice squad, moved on to the Eagles in 2019, and got cut again that same summer. He spent camp with New England last year and was on the Patriots practice squad for part of the year. In addition to Devin Smith, in, your, in training camp, there will be wide receivers Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, Isaiah Zuber, Gunnar Osleski, Marvin Hall, Trey Nixon, and Christian Wilkerson vying for your wide receiver positions. Obviously, technically, Matthew Slater is still a wide receiver, but no one really views him as a wide receiver. Technically, by technicality, he is a wide receiver, yes, but when you think of Matthew Slater, you think of Gunner, special teamers, right? That kind of guy. Ideally, I'm probably going to say that the Patriots carry five wide receivers on their roster, and I'm not including Matthew Slater, so I guess six, but five true pass catchers. And if we just look at who has NFL experience, we're seeing Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, and Gunnar Oshleski. There's your five. I honestly think, obviously, Al- Al- Blah, blah, blah. 
Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne are going to make the team. I think Gunnar Slutsky is, is a shoe in to make the team. He can, you know, kick return, punt return. Obviously, he's seen, uh, we've seen some wide receiver skill from him. A lot of people are saying great things about him this year in training camp, that he's really improved, and that he's kind of on that Troy Brown, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman track, being a special teamer, turning into a, a really good slot receiver. So I like that news out of camp. Then you have Jacoby Myers, who's undrafted two years ago. Didn't really do much in 2019, a little bit. Then really performed in 2020. He was like your best receiver in 2020, believe it or not. So I think he's a shoe in to be on the team as well. And then you have Nikhil Harry. First round pick in 2019 has been a bust so far. He's been an absolute bust so far in his career. Is it to a fault of his own? He's had some injuries. He you know dropped some passes. I mean, it's tough to kind of gauge. This camp is absolutely a make it break it. And that's also why I was on the, you know, I was saying that the Patriots should include him in any potential Julio Jones trade when Julio Jones was available from the Falcons before he got traded to Tennessee. Because if you can package Nikhil Harry, a second round pick or whatever, I feel like that's very appealing to Atlanta because they get the second round pick that they, you know, kind of said that they're willing to settle for. And you also get a young receiver who has a lot of potential that just maybe he needs a change of scenery maybe things just aren't working out and like I said he's still young he's got a lot of talent he's a former first round pick going down to Atlanta with a veteran quarterback in Matt Ryan with a stud in uh, Calvin Ridley that would be great obviously they don't have you know they wouldn't have Julio Jones anymore but they drafted Kyle Pitts so I mean you're looking at Kyle Pitts Calvin Ridley and Nikhil Harry I mean, and I mean, I also have Todd Gurley down there as well. Let's not forget him out of the backfield. That's not terrible. That's not terrible. Obviously, you know, Nikhil Harry, you know, has a long way, to, long way to go in order to exceed any form of expectation because right now they're very low for him, and they need to be high. People need to set that expectation bar very high for him in training camp, due to the fact that he was a former first-round draft pick, and you may have not moved him in any way because there's still that potential and talent there he's got a huge body he's like six three six four he's got big hands he can jump high and go get the ball he needs to start doing that and he really has been he showed a little bit of you know flair last year when cam newton was throwing him the ball but at the end of the day this is a huge camp for Nikhil harry because if the Patriots do decide to move on from him and they trade him what are you really going to get for him Third round pick, fourth round pick. If that, if you're lucky, I'd say fourth round pick if you're lucky. So I mean, there's gonna be some claim. Plus Isaiah Zuber, Marvin Hall, Trey Nixon, Christian Wilkerson, and now you bring in Devin Smith. So one, two, three, four, five guys who are fighting for a sixth wide receiver spot on the team. If the, if the Patriots want to go that large at that position, obviously you have the practice squad available to a couple of those guys, but. I don't know. I really don't feel good about this wide receiver core, to be honest. I really don't. You had your chance. You had Julian Edelman at one point. Then he retires. You had your chance at Julio Jones, and you lose out on that trade. This team is going to be ridden by the tight ends. Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are going to be carrying the boatload and the workload immensely. 
because this wide receiver core, as nice as Kendrick Bourne has been in his career, as nice as Nelson Aguilar played last year, I don't know. I don't know. Plus, your whole quarterback situation is up in the air with Cam Newton, Mac Jones. Some people are saying get rid of Cam Newton. Oh, let him start. Throw in Jared Stidham. See what he can do. Mac Jones should be the start of week one. So a million and one questions revolving around the Patriots there as well. It just There's a lot of things that need to be answered for the Patriots between now and week one of the regular season on September 12th. I'm very interested to see on how they formulate and shape the roster. As we get into the preseason and training camp, I will definitely be doing a roster breakdown and prediction of who I think will make the 53-man roster for your New England Patriots. I'm very excited to do that. I just It's going to be tough to really try to predict who is going to make it, who will not, because obviously Bill Belichick is a mastermind at doing like last-week maneuvers. Cutting players, trading players, trading for players, signing players. It's going to be a mess this year, especially with everything that's been going on for the Patriots this offseason and potentially moving forward. But we love the Patriots so much, so we're going to fall for it and we're going to dive right into it. Dive right into that chaos and maniac. So I know this episode has been kind of short. We've talked about, uh, about a few different things here. But before we wrap things up, I do have to ask. I do got to ask. If you're walking into a card shop, <laughs> if you're walking into, say, Murph's Card Town and Sports Shop, and you see some sports memorabilia, custom sports memorabilia of your favorite Boston teams, whether it's the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Bruins, or the Patriots, what are you more likely to buy? A coaster? Or a mug. Just, you know, put the price in your mind of whatever you're willing to pay. $10, $12, $5, whatever it may be. $20, ah, that'd be great, right? Are you more willing to, whether it's for yourself, a gift, a loved one, a friend, family, whatever, whoever, doesn't matter. Are you more likely to buy a mug or a cup holder, uh, a coaster? Because I'm trying to really establish a homey, welcoming feeling experience at Murph's Card Town Sports Shop along with the cards, the memorabilia and such. And I do have a prototype in my hand that Kim made for me. It had a couple of pens in it. <laughs> and obviously you can't really see it, but it's just a generic mug with the Red Sox socks, obviously logo on it. The Patriots, the Bruins and the Celtics ones will also be available on both mugs and presumably coasters as well. I still have to talk to Kim about that. Hopefully she's okay with that, right? <laughs> but I'm just curious. I'm just curious. You know, maybe you want to get a mug for yourself and a coaster for, I don't know, a, friend, a family. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're more likely to buy them both. They can go together. Absolutely. You can get a Red Sox mug and a Red Sox coaster. Or maybe you only like the Bruins and the Celtics, so you just get a Bruins mug and a Celtics coaster. I don't know, but I do want to know what your guys' opinions are. So definitely please reach out to me on social media at Murphs uh, underscore Boston ST where the ST stands for sports talk and also comment down below if you're watching this on YouTube. What are you more likely to buy? The coaster, the mug, or both? Or I guess I guess I got to throw in none, I guess, right? 
hey, I don't want no coaster or mug of my favorite Boston sports team. I'm not into that stuff. Well, then let me ask you this question in retaliation. How do you drink your coffee? What do you put your ice cold beverage on when your significant other doesn't want you to get the get the sweat from a cup or a mug on the nice new table? Right? Got to drink coffee out of something. Got to block that sweat dripping down the glass, cup, mug, whatever. Onto something. I'm just messing with you guys. But seriously, though, let me know. I want to know. I'm definitely going to be doing a poll on my Instagram very, very soon. Once I get the prototypes really cooking and going. But, guys, that's going to do it for Monday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I appreciate you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying If you're watching this on YouTube, please leave a like on this video if you enjoyed it. Comment down below like I've been asking this whole time. And also, if you're new to the channel or haven't considered yet, please hit that big giant red button. I would greatly appreciate the new subscribership. And also, if you're listening on audio-only platform, reach out to me. This is the best way you can do it. Download, listen, and enjoy as always. And I really hope that you had a fantastic weekend. Beautiful weather. Kind of shitty weather today. But you know what? It's it's New England weather. Some days are going to be 90. Some next day is going to be 60 and raining. Hell, we might even get snow. Who knows? Because next week, I believe, is going to be just rain, 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 rain. But that's what we have to deal with here in New England. So, guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I will catch you for next episode on Wednesday. But between now and then, you know that I love you. And you know that I will always, always see ya. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.